Amen this morning. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. When you find your place there, we're going to begin reading in verse number 9. And we'll go all the way down to um, verse number 15. So 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, I'll go ahead and read and just uh, kind of follow along as I do. In verse number 9, the Bible says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. This morning for the time that we have as we enter the message today, I'd like to preach a message entitled, Motivated to Live. Motivated to Live. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come before you now, as we enter the message, Lord, we pray that you just be with us, meet with us in a special way, that your Holy Spirit would be here, and um, Lord, that you would just help us to receive um, the message, Lord, that you would have us to, to hear today, and that it would impact us, and um, Lord, that we'd be better for it. And so be with me as, as I try to be clear, help me to be clear, help me to be, um, um, help me to present um, your word in the light that would, 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 would help um, everyone that's listening, whether in here or online, we pray that you just um, fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and just use me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, if you ask me who my favorite Bible character is, it wouldn't be hard. Favorite Bible character is the disciple John. And really, I like John, not because of, of any major things that he did, but really I like John because I, I kind of envy John. I kind of envy him. When you think about all of the disciples that lived during the time that Jesus lived, I think of John, and I think that John experienced a relationship with Jesus, or, or, or that was with Jesus. He experienced that relationship with Jesus that um, none of the other disciples really experienced. Now, that's not to say that Jesus um, portrayed a relationship to John, and it was different than the relationship that he portrayed to the other disciples. It's just that it was available, and John was really the, the disciple that took um, advantage of that relationship and, and really went ahead and, and tried to get to know Jesus. And we're not going to try and dive into that too much. But John, that's my favorite Bible character. He's known as the one that, the, whom, the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? But coming in second, coming in a hot second, it's the Apostle Paul. And we, I think no one in here can, um, can uh, uh, deny that when we think about the Apostle Paul and everything that he went through, we know that Apostle Paul was motivated. He's a motivated man. You think about it. When you think about everything that he went through, all of the trials, all of the suffering that um, he endured in his life, you think about the fact that this guy, he got bit by snakes, he got stoned, he got threw out of towns, he was in a shipwreck. I mean, you think about everything that happened to Paul in his life. If there was anyone that had excuses to say, ah, I ain't doing this no more. It ain't worth it. But Paul, 
kept going. And at the end of his life, you see that Paul was able to say, my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. Paul's motivated. If he wasn't motivated, I don't think he would have done any of that. And you know, I think about myself. I'm 27 years old. And uh, not, not old to the teens, I'm probably old, but not old to, to some of you, not calling you old. Okay, let's just let's keep going. Let's, let's, not, let's not stay there, all right? But I'm not old. I don't think of myself as old, right? I'm 27. But you know, I add 27 years onto my life, and I'll be 54. And I don't want to live um, my life and get uh, and to be 54 and then and figure out and look back and say, oh, remember those times when you used to serve so well at Victory, or you used to preach at Victory, and, and, and God um, used to use you at Victory? No, I want, I want to be when I'm 54 to still be able to say God is still using me now I'm still living for the Lord and I'm still doing the things that God has called me to do I want to still be motivated basically when I am 54 when I'm 84 even if I live to be 104 I want to still be motivated to live the Apostle Paul was motivated to live in our passage today we see a portion of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth in um, in this this really this letter uh, of 2nd Corinthians the whole meaning of this letter was Paul trying to clear up who he was and what he was all about and Paul spends the majority of 2nd Corinthians defending himself there were false teachers that had gotten into this church and mocked his letter and and now um, you know was was saying that he's not a true apostle his teachings don't matter and so Paul in this letter proves that he has the authority to teach and, and that as an apostle of Christ he has the authority to do what he does. You see that in chapter number 3. But you know, one of the biggest things that Paul had to clear up and that we're going to look at today was his motivation for why he did what he did. It's motivation because people tried to test him and say, why do you do these things? Why do you suffer this much? Why do you do these things? And he had to clear up in this passage his motivation for why he did what he did. And that's what we're going to look at today. In this passage, we're going to see an example of why Paul was motivated to live. And as we look at this example, you know, we're going to be confronted with the question. And it's not, are we motivated? Because really, we're all motivated by something. But the question we're going to be presented with that we need to be asking ourselves is, what are we motivated by? What motivates us this morning? You think to yourself, what motivates you to live this morning? We're all motivated by something, and I think we can recognize that when you are motivated, you'll do almost anything. I heard a story, I heard a story in college by one of, uh, uh, one of my college teachers, and um, you know, I didn't really know... Um, the, the exact details of the story. So I went ahead and, and this week I, I tried to look online to try and see if I can find a story and I found it in full detail. But it's a story of this old cowboy that was given motivation to dance. You say, oh, that's was talking about dancing this morning. No, 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 don't get ahead of this. That, that's, not where, that's not where this is going, all right? You'll see what, in a second what I'm talking about. But the story starts off with this old man um, that, that this story really, this man was riding a donkey on a journey. And the story uh, continues by saying that this man, as he was riding, he entered into a town so he can, you know, just kind of refresh himself, get some water. And so he parks his donkey, and he's about to get, uh, um, uh, go into that store and get um, some water, maybe something to, to refresh himself. And before he does that, a younger cowboy walks out. And with a gun in his hand, he looks at that old guy, and he says, hey, cowboy, you ever danced before? And the older cowboy said, no, I've never danced, I've never really wanted to dance. And that younger cowboy says, all right, we'll dance. And he starts shooting at the, the older cowboy's feet. And no, no doubt, he doesn't want his toes to get blown off. So he's hopping and hollering around. And so he's dancing. And by now, there's a crowd that comes on. And everyone's laughing. They're watching this old man just, you know, hop and holler. 
And that, that younger cowboy, he's having a good time. But you know, that story continues by saying that that younger cowboy, he ran out of bullets. And when he ran out of bullets, as he ran out of bullets, he's laughing. He, he takes his gun, he holsters it. And as he goes to turn around, he's at my time, my fun is over. The crowd just, they're starting to laugh. People are starting to die down. That older cowboy went to his donkey and pulled out a shotgun. And as he, the crowd hushed. And that younger cowboy, he thought, uh-oh. And that old, older cowboy, he looked and he stared that barrel into the eyes or, or into the face of that younger cowboy. And he says, okay, you gave me motivation to dance. Here, check this out. Have you ever kissed a donkey before? And you know, the story ends by that younger cowboy saying, no, I've never, but I don't mind. He's given motivation. That older gentleman, he was given motivation to dance. That younger cowboy, he was given motivation to kiss that donkey. But you know, the Apostle Paul was given motivation to live. Live the life that God had called him to live. So when we talk about motivated life, what are we talking about this morning? Well, the word motivation means the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. That's motivation. The reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. So if you say motivated to live, we're saying reasons to live, right? The reason, motivated to live. Well, let's explain live. Because we've heard this word before. Last week, we, we, we heard from the story of the Good Samaritan. The reason why that story existed in the first place because of that lawyer. He wanted to know, how can I eternally live? Live. So we're presented back with this question, live, right? What does it mean to live? Well, in verse number nine, we see uh, uh, really another definition of the word live. Paul says in verse number nine, wherefore we labor. So now we have to define what labor means. And labor doesn't mean actually working. It doesn't mean the pains of working. But this word labor here means, in verse number 9, to be ambitious. Here we go. Don't you hate when you go and try and find a definition of a word? There's another word in that definition that now you have to try to find a definition of. Don't you hate that? Well, let's look at what does it mean to be ambitious. The word ambitious means to show a strong desire and determination to succeed. So what are we really talking about? When we're talking about this idea of being motivated to live, what are we really talking about? Well, we're talking about having a reason or reasons for your desire to deter or, or and determination to succeed. Having a reason or reasons for your desire and determination to succeed. Because I think we all recognize that Paul had a desire to succeed, did he not? He was determined to succeed in the life that God called him to live, did he not? And so he, he was determined, he was motivated. What are we motivated by this morning? Are we motivated to live? Are we motivated or do we have a reason to succeed in the life that God has called us to live? What are we motivated by? Because it, it could be easy to say, are you motivated? But we're all motivated by something, but it's what we're motivated by. Because I tell you one thing, if we are not properly motivated, won't get us anywhere. If I am not properly motivated this morning to continue living the life that God has called me to live, by the time I get 54, 74, 104, it won't be happening. If I don't have a reason, if, if we don't have a reason today for our desire to and determination to succeed, we won't. If you don't, you won't. In preparation for this message, talking about determination to live. This week I was on Facebook and uh, Facebook, Facebook's such an interesting uh, place that you can go online. Facebook, Facebook sometimes can be a blessing but also a curse, right? It's, Facebook's interesting. But I, I try to look at the, the, the positive of, of the things that Facebook can bring. Well, this week, as I was browsing on Facebook, I saw a video 
from Paul Chapel in Lancaster, California. And it was a video of him addressing his church. And you want to know what he said? He said, hey, church family, let's not go through the summer, but let us grow through the summer. He says, let's not go through the summer. Let us grow through the summer. You know, I thought, wow. God is not only trying to work in Victory Baptist Church about getting back to the basics. I think pastors all across America this morning and churches all across America this morning are realizing that COVID-19 is becoming one of the biggest excuses for people to stop living. It's becoming one of the biggest excuses for people to stop doing the things that you're supposed to do. It's becoming one of the biggest excuses for Christians to stop being Christians. And if we're not properly motivated, that excuse, that could be us. If we're not properly motivated, we'll stop living. You know, may I say, ladies and gentlemen, COVID-19, it's, it's terrible. I wish we could rewind time and start all over again, right? But you know, if, if the circumstances of COVID-19 or anything in our lives, if we are motivated or that that drives us to make the decisions for the Lord, shame on us. If the reason you live this morning, if the reason I live this morning is based on the circumstances around us, shame on us. Shame on us. It's not proper motivation. Because I think we can all understand life is, is unfair. So there will be things that will go and take a wrong turn every aspect of life. And so if our, our motivation is based on the things around us, shame on us. That is not what we must be motivated by. And in our passage this morning, you say, well, if that's not what we should be motivated by, what should we be motivated by? Glad you asked. In our passage today, we see an example of why we should be motivated this morning, ladies and gentlemen, as we look into the life of the Apostle Paul. But before we get to that, you notice in verse number 9, the Bible says, wherefore. And I always tell the teens. You see the word wherefore, herefore, or henceforth, sorry. Wherefore, henceforth, or therefore. You need to go and figure out what it's there for. Because usually the person is just finished talking about something really important. So we're going to go ahead and back up. We're going to go to verse number one. We're going to figure out what, what Paul is actually talking about. Why did he say wherefore? Well, in verse number one, you notice he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul, when he says earthly house, or tabernacle is, in, is speaking not of an actual house, but a dwelling place. Really what he's talking about is our bodies. And we've, if, if you've been in church for any length of time, you, you've, this concept of when we go to heaven, we'll have a new body. It shouldn't be new to any of us. But that's what Paul's affirming here. He's saying, we know that if our earthly house be dissolved, if when we get older, when we die, really, he says, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's talking about our new body. When we get to heaven, we know that when we leave this earth, when we get to heaven as Christians, we have a new body. And he goes on in verse number two, and he says, because of this, we groan. And we do, don't we? When we think about that new body, when we think about the fact that we one day will shake off this old body, this sinful body that causes us to sin, right? This sinful flesh. When we think about that, that makes us think, man, I can't wait to get to heaven someday. That makes us think, man, I can't wait to experience that new body someday. And Paul is saying, because of that fact, we groan. 
it makes us more and more, look at what he says in verse number two, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Earnestly desiring to be clothed upon that new body from heaven is what he's saying. So he's, he's saying because of this we groan. And in verse number three, he, he confirms that we're talking about if we have a new body, we won't, you know, be bodiless. And, and he's, he goes on in verse number four and he says um, that it's not just because we want to get rid of this body, but really because we want the new body, right? And he's talking about this. And then in verse number, number five, look at what he says. He says, now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God. He that wrought us. What he's saying is God is preparing us now for when we get to heaven later. You know, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be really thankful for that new body. And he's saying, he's telling this the Corinthian church, we're going to be very thankful. God is preparing us now for that new body someday. And in verse number six, he says, while we're present in this body, we are absent from the Lord. It's kind of a dumb moment. If, we're, if we are here on earth, we are not before the Lord. It's kind of a dumb moment, but he's just kind of affirming this with the Corinthian church. And then he says, we see the iconic verse in verse number uh, seven. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And then in verse number 8, he said, and we are confident. He says, so, I say, we are willing and rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So what is he saying? He said, I would rather be out of this body and present with the Lord. So really, he's just kind of telling this Corinthian church, hey, motivated. You know, one of the things you can be motivated by really is your, your, your heavenly home. But sometimes that's not what gets you there. Right? He says, so, in light of that, we labor. In light of that, we live. And we live, and in the next few verses, we're going to see why it is Paul says that he lives. And as we look at that, we're going to make three observations that show why Paul was motivated to live. So if you're taking notes, three observations this morning that shows why Paul was motivated to live. Think of Paul and everything that he went through. Well, you see that, first of all, Paul was motivated by the acceptance of God. It was motivated by the acceptance of God. Look in verse number 9. The Bible says, wherefore we labor. We live. Paul says, we live that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Paul says, I live my life for the acceptance of God. We're all created to want to be accepted, weren't we? We're all created to, to want to be approved for what we did. Think about it. We all, we, we look at when Paul said, I have finished my course, I fought the good fight, I kept my faith. I think we all in here understand and want to be able to sit at the end of our lives. We want, we want to be able to say that at the end of our lives, we lived our lives and we lived it um, according to that which we should have lived it. I think we all want to be able to, our lives be proved and stamped and say we did a good job. We all want to be accepted and we all want to be approved. I think of a story of uh, when I was younger and uh, I wanted to be accepted by my dad. And uh, I'll tell you what, one, one summer, um, my, my grandma, she lives near a beach. She has a beach in her backyard, but she lives near a very nicer one. And uh, we would often, my cousins and I, we'd often go to this beach and we'd enjoy some time there. And one day my, my dad, he was gonna drop me off at my grandma's house or we're just gonna, I can't really remember um, why, why he was coming, but I, I think he just wanted to drop me off or really just go spend some time with her while I have some time with my cousins and have some fun. But we went to this beach and let me, let me give you a picture of how this beach was, okay? So, you have the beach, okay? You have the beach where, um, that we're gonna swim, you have sand and, and, and the sea and all that. Then there's another beach across and in the middle, 
there's, there's this canal, okay? So that canal was, was for the fact of on this beach, it was, it was housed by a resort. So people that, that came to the Bahamas and wanted to stay uh, um, in a nice resort, they'd go to that, that resort and they had a beach front right there. Well, separating that was a canal. And the reason why that canal was there was so that if, if you wanted to rent a boat, you can just, there was a, a marina in the back there so you can get that boat and you can just kind of drive off in that canal and just go into the ocean. Well, what my cousins and I would do is we'd go to that canal, it has a ledge there, and we'd just kind of jump in. And we'd never really like just lollygag in there because, I mean, it's like 20 feet deep. 20 feet deep. But we just kind of jump in there, you know, this is the, the thrill and excitement of being able to dive off of that canal and dive into there. And of course, if a, if a boat's coming, we just kind of just, you know, again, hey, get out of the way and, and climb back up. But one summer, my dad was taking me there, and as I got to the edge of that canal, and saying hi to my cousins and, and everything, my loving father, and you know that's funny, but it's not funny when you think about up until that point, I couldn't swim. And you know, my dad wanted to affirm the, uh, the phrase, sink or swim. He wanted to know what I'd do. He wanted to know if I would sink or I'd swim. Well, I didn't know how to swim, so I was sinking. And I'm like, well, I'm sinking. And so he, he motions to my guy, all right, get him, get him, get him. And so he picks me, my cousin, he picks me up. There's some rocks there you could climb up. So he helped me climb up the rock. And so my dad says, okay, let's go teach you how to swim. And so we moved from, from that canal and we went over to that beach part and you know, he, he teaches me the basics. He's like, when you go underwater, you hold your breath and you know, freestyle and you know, you talk, you know, underwater, you do this. He's teaching me the basics of how to swim. And he says, just practice that, just practice that. Well, a few months later, you'll find this interesting, but most people in the Bahamas, they go to Florida for vacation. I didn't say my family. I said most people in the Bahamas, they go to Florida for vacation. You can't really vacation where you're from. So I know you're probably thinking, what? You have all those nice beaches? You can't have vacation where you're from. So we would leave the Bahamas. We go to Florida. That's our vacation. And for 20 years of my life, mark it down. The first week in August, we go to Florida for vacation. My family, mark it down. And so one, that same summer, a few months later, I went to Florida. Uh, and uh, we're having a good time there. And we had um, a pool day is what we call it. We just kind of chill and we didn't do anything, just kind of relax by the pool. And so I'm in this pool. And I see my dad coming out. And he's, he's about to get in the pool. And you know, something came over me. I remember that even as, as a younger kid. I said, hey, Dad, watch this. And I would get to that edge and I'd you know, jump in. And he said, wow, you've been practicing. OK, OK. And I said, OK, yeah, well, watch this. And I start freestyling. I said, you see that? And he's like, wow, not bad. And then I'd go under. I was like, well, well, watch how long I can hold my breath. And I'd go underwater and I'd you know, be swimming. What was I doing? I recognized that my father had taught me something. And I wanted to see if he approved of my understanding of what he taught me. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible teaches us a lot of ways and a lot of reasons why we should live and how to live. And our reason or our motivation for living should be to be accepted of God. We should say, God, hey, you taught me this from your word. Is it approved? Is it acceptable? We all, we all want to be accepted. Paul is saying we labor, we live, so that we may be accepted of him. Paul says we labor that whether present or absent. Now when he says whether present or absent, he's actually referring back to verse number 8. When he says we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So he's talking about absent from this body and present with the Lord. So Paul is saying whether present or absent. Paul recognizes whether I'm in heaven 
or whether I'm not. I live so I may be accepted of him. And he says, whether I'm present, when I go to heaven someday, I will want to be accepted of him. But I recognize I am not in heaven. And I cannot do anything about right now about when I go to heaven. But what I can do about is while I'm on this earth. He says, I can do something about that. He says, whether present or absent, whether I'm with God or not. And since I'm not with God, I'm going to focus on the not. He says, while I'm on this earth, I live my life so I can be accepted by God. Ladies and gentlemen, if we in here can, cannot say that we live our lives so we can be accepted by God, what, what motivates us? Why do, why do we live? If that's not our reason for, for living, if that's not our motivation, why are we living? Why are we, or not living, but why are we uh, trying to live the life that God's called us to live? Why are we doing it? What's our reason? One of the biggest reasons of Paul um, and his motivations was for the approval of God. Paul was motivated to live because he wanted the acceptance of God. But you know that wasn't just it. In verse number 10, you see, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which, uh, or to, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Paul was motivated by the acceptance of God, but you know, secondly, he was also motivated by the judgment of God. He was motivated by the judgment of God. Paul says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of God. Ladies and gentlemen, when we die someday, when, when it's all said and done, we will have to give an account of ourselves to God. No matter who you are in here, you will be judged before God someday. He said, uh, the Bible says in, uh, in Romans, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. The Hebrew says, as it, is, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be judged before God. Here's, here's an example of this. I think of, of uh, uh, tests. Everything I think about judgment, I think of tests and PTSD of college. And uh, I think of FBI, and FBI has some really good classes, don't get me wrong. It has some really good electives. And sometimes they come around, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's, really, that's really neat. I, you know, someday I'd like to take that. And, you know, it'd be like Brother JP or Brother Don, would be like, oh, why don't you sign up? And I'm like, no way, man. I'm like, oh, my college. <laughs> no way. You know, the problem that I have is not that I don't like to learn. I just don't like to be tested. I don't like that. I just don't like tests. Because when you get tested, it shows you how much you actually learned, doesn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, we will be tested one day about how much we actually learned while we were on this earth. About how much we actually understood the things that God wanted us to do. God is our teacher this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Our life is the test. Our textbook is the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, recognize this morning you will be judged someday for everything that you do on this earth. He says in verse number 10, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We will be judged for, first of all, the things that are good. For all the good things you do, you will be judged for them. In Timothy, Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. But look at what he says in verse number 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Because you're going to be judged for the good things that you do. But you know you're also going to be judged for the bad things that you do. And look at that. He says, whether it be good or bad. 
Paul affirms this in, 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 in his past uh, writings in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 5. He says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring it to light, the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Everything that we, will be, that we are doing on this earth will be judged someday, whether it be good and whether it be bad. Ladies and gentlemen, if that does not motivate us, what are we motivated by this morning? Because I'll tell you one thing, that is good motivation to live a godly life, is it not? That is good motivation to know that when it's all said and done, at the end of your life, you will be judged for how you lived. And Paul says, because of that, I labor. Because of that, I live. I am motivated by the acceptance of God. I am motivated by the judgment of God. What are you motivated by? What are we motivated by this morning? Verse number 11, we keep going. He, he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul says, because of this, because we know of this judgment that's coming. He says, knowing this, we persuade men. Paul says, knowing this, we have this message. That we go out and we tell people, hey, you need to get saved. Because you will be judged for the way you lived your life. You need to get saved knowing we know that they're the terror of the Lord. You will be judged. And so we have a fear of God and we have this message. No matter who you are, that's the message. No matter who you are, you will be judged someday. And he goes on in verse number 12. He says, For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf. Here's Paul uh, really starting to try, and, and, and we see the, the heart of really this, this whole epistle, him trying to defend himself. He said, we commend not ourselves unto you. That word commend means to set together, to introduce, exhibit, or to present. He says, we are not trying to present ourselves to you again. You know us. He says, but we are giving you reason or reasons to remember and understand what we are all about. And I think Paul recognizes that, yes, there might be false teachers at Corinth. But there are also people that remember who he is. There are also some friends that Paul has at Corinth. And so he said, I am telling you this not to present of myself. Not to introduce myself to you again, but really so that you can remember, oh, this is Paul. Right? And he says at the ending of that verse, that ye may have somewhat of an answer to answer them which, a glory, which um, sorry, uh, answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Here's really the, the people, the false teachers he's dealing with. These false teachers, they um, uh, gloried in their appearance and not about in the inside. Their, their ministry, their, everything that they were about was how things looked on the outside and not how things looked on the inside. And Paul here is pointing out the fact that, hey, you know me. Hey, you know what I'm about. These same, these same people, most likely, these false teachers, most likely they said, we glory, or they didn't say it, but really they gloried in appearance and not in heart. And they looked at Paul and they probably thought, here's a guy that glories in heart and not in appearance. It's crazy. You know, and you see that in verse number 13. He says, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Paul says, I'm not, I'm not. Paul says, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. If we be beside ourselves, literally crazy. If we be beside, I'm not crazy. He says, it is, it is to God. He says, if you think I'm crazy, it is to God. He says, but if you think I'm sober, it is for your cause. He says, just know that I'm not crazy. He says, I'll tell you one thing. The reason why I do what I do is, number one, uh, I want to be accepted by God. We see that. We observe that. 
Number two, the reason why Paul lived and he was motivated was he, he was motivated by the judgment of God. But lastly, one of the biggest motivations that Paul now is trying to conclude with, you see in verse number 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Paul says, I am motivated by the love of God. I'm motivated by the love of God. Everything you see me do is not because I'm crazy. It's just that the love of Christ, it constraineth me. That word constraineth means to compel, to arrest, or um, to compress, to press on. Paul says, it's not that I'm crazy. It's the love of Christ. When I think of the love of Christ, the, 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 the love of Christ that I have felt, it makes me do the things that I do. And we know that, don't we? We know that because we've, ex we've received the love of God, that we then in turn want to go ahead and show that love. You see that in 1 John. We love him because he first loved us, right? He says, the love of Christ constraineth me. Why? It's because I recognize two things. Number one, I recognized that Jesus died for all. You see that in verse number um, 14. He says, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. He says, the love of Christ, it constraineth me because I realize that Jesus died for all and a part of that all is me. Jesus died for me. He died for all. The Bible says, for Christ also had suffered uh, for sins, the, the just for the unjust, that he would, or that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. In 1 John 2, 2, the Bible says, and he is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And in Romans 5, 8, you see, but God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for everyone. And Paul recognized that everyone includes him. And when he think about the fact that Christ died for him, that constrains him, that compels him to do the things that he does. He says, number one, I recognize that Christ died for me. And I also recognize that if Christ died for me and that if Christ died for all, that me and the all should live for him. You see that in verse number 15. The Bible says, and that he died for all, that they which should um, not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Paul says, my motivation is the love of Christ. I realize that Jesus died for all. And because of that, all should live for him. Ladies and gentlemen, is that our motivation this morning? Does that compel us? Does that drive us to do the things that we do, to live the life that God has called us to live? Or is it what are we motivated by this morning? If the reason we, we, we live each day is because we want the acceptance of God. We, we, we um, understand we will be judged by God and we have experienced the love of God. Ladies and gentlemen, those are motivations to live by. Amen. Those are godly motivations to live by. What are you motivated by? If you, if you are not motivated by those three things, if you don't recognize that the things that you have been taught, that they need to be accepted by God, if you don't uh, um, recognize the things that you do will be judged by God, if you don't recognize that God loves you, and that Christ died for you, if you don't recognize that, or if you're not motivated by those three things, what are you motivated by? So I'll tell you one thing, if you're not motivated by those three things, you won't be doing what you're doing for much longer. We need to be properly motivated this morning. Facebook, it's been a very good week for Facebook. 
two for two to, uh, uh, for Facebook this week. So I, I, I saw that, um, that post of Pastor Chow. Well, then I, I was strolling, uh, I think maybe Thursday night, and I saw something else. And I thought, woo, this is good stuff. This is going in my sermon on Sunday, yeah. This is a quote, or not really a quote, but someone, you know how people can just put you know, pictures on words and you know, not really a picture in the background. This is this blank background, but just some words to say something. Here's what it said. Don't get out of bed in the morning because your alarm went off. Don't get out of bed in the morning because your alarm went off. In other words, why do you get up in the morning? Is it because, what is your motivation for getting out of bed in the morning? Think about it. Is it because your alarm went off? Is it because you're hungry? Is it because you're late for work? What motivates you to get out of bed? Our motivation should be that we wake up every day and say, I'm going to live this day so I can be accepted by God. I'm going to live this day because I know that the things that I do today will be judged by God. I'm going to live today because I know that God loves me. Because I, have, I, I know that he died for all and because of that, I'm going to live today. I'm going to live for him. That should be our motivation this morning. It's kind of affirming what Pastor Paul Chapel said and kind of affirming what we need to do today. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just not go through life. Let's just not go through this time and get comfortable and say, well, when COVID-19 is over, then I will get back to normal. Ladies and gentlemen, shame on us. When COVID-19 is over, then I will get back to church. Shame on us. When COVID-19 is over, then I'll get back to my Bible reading. Shame on us. When COVID-19 is, is, is as, as everything is, when that is over and everything gets back to normal, then I'll start giving like I used to give or serving like I used to serve. Shame on us. Is our, if our motivation is based on the circumstances around us, shame on us. That is not healthy motivation this morning, ladies and gentlemen. The Apostle Paul says, I am motivated, therefore I live. Therefore we labor, we live. Whether we are here or there, we live. Or we may be accepted of him. Acceptance, God's acceptance, God's judgment, and God's love. Are you motivated by those three this morning? If not, ladies and gentlemen, the altar is here. And that's why we come to church, isn't it? We come to, to, to sing praise to God, to, to, to really worship Him. We come to hear a message that He would have for us that we could take throughout this week. And then, if in that message things aren't right, we come and we make things right. That's, that's, that's church. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we're here. God doesn't want us to just go through life. You see this in John 10, 10. Jesus said, I came that they may have life, yes, that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. He doesn't just want us to survive. He doesn't just want us to go through life. He wants us to live. And he wants us to have proper motivations as we live. But if we are not properly motivation, uh, uh, motivated, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? We won't be living the life that God has called us to live for, for much longer. Aside today. If you recognize those were not my motivations for living up until this point, decide today that you will realize that everything you do on this earth needs to be approved not by men, but by God. Paul says in Galatians chapter number 1, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men... I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Here's, here's the thing that um, we, we do. We try to take or we try to live a spiritual life 
without the spiritual source. Everything that we've received in our Christian life, we understand because of the Bible. Paul says, in light of, um, um, in light of, 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 of the revelation of God, is it not? So if we pattern our lives after this Bible, if we pattern our spiritual life after this Bible and after God, if we are taught by God, shouldn't we be judged by God? Shouldn't we be approved by God? God wants us to live. He just wants us to, to, to go through life. He wants to live. Ladies and gentlemen, recognize that you need to live this morning. Let's get back to the basics. And, and hopefully this, this concludes that whole series of, of getting back to the basics. But don't go through life. Live. Grow, let's grow through life. Let's get back on track. Let's not let COVID-19 or anything that's going on in the world today distract us from the mission at hand. Live. Be motivated to live this morning. Decide today that you're going to be motivated to live.